Welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast. I'm Phil Kittramalides. I am joined by an exhausted Sid Lowe. Uh, we're recording at 8 o'clock in the morning Spanish time on Monday morning, the uh, morning after quite an extraordinary World Cup final, which saw Argentina win it for the first time in 36 years. And it's also seen Sid Lowe not go to bed. So you literally have not slept, Sid, uh, at all. I would love to be able to claim that it was because I was up all night celebrating with the Argentinians. But unfortunately, that is not the case. No, um, you're I, I, frantically typing away. Yeah, I did have some ham, though. So that, that felt slightly, um, uh, what's the word? Wild. So, slightly rebellious, yeah. Yes, that wild and reckless. But there we go. Yeah, all right, so where do we start? Um, But I guess I'll tell you what happened in the game, if for whatever reason you didn't see it or didn't want to see it. Argentina raced into a a 2-0 lead, uh, Messi with a penalty, and then Angel Di Maria with a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant goal on 36 minutes. They were completely in control of this game. France were completely on the back foot. They didn't look to be a way back for Les Bleus. But... Kylian Mbappé scored a penalty on uh, the 80th minute and then he scored another brilliant, brilliant, brilliant goal a minute later to make it 2-2, an extraordinary, unlikely comeback which took the game to extra time. Messi then scored in extra time and then Mbappé scored a penalty two minute, in the 118th minute to take the game to penalties which France duly won 4-2. Um, Argentina, Argentina won 4-2, I hope. Because, which, which Argentina duly oh, won Otherwise, everything that happened after the game was very bizarre. <laughs> yeah, just running it through it again like that just sort of underlines what an extraordinary game of football and, and, and contest it was. I mean, it's got to be up there with one of the best games we've ever seen. I, really. I think... Um, I mean, I, I honestly thought, and I can't remember if I said this to you on the last podcast, that I, I honestly thought that this was the greatest story football had ever told even before the final because I don't think I've ever had a feeling that there has been such a sense of the focus on one man like there was for this the sense that this is the the, the, the if you like the the final scene of a film or a series that we've all been watching together for years and years and years and years and everyone just wants the finale now um, and, and it felt to me like this was going to be the greatest story ever if he won it no matter how he won it um, because, you know, you could talk about things like, for example, well, Pelé won three World Cups. Yeah, but he won the first of them at 18s. There was never this sense that this is the greatest player we've ever seen. He's not had the thing that would define his greatness. Maradona wins the World Cup at 25. Um, Cruyff admittedly didn't win the World Cup and got to one final and then wasn't there in the Dutch team that got to the second one. So perhaps if he'd had another one later in his career, um, maybe if Cristiano Ronaldo had, had reached a final with Portugal, it might have felt a little bit like that. But I think, I, I think that even that wouldn't have been as, as significant as this. And it felt like everybody wanted this to happen. So much so that Didier Deschamps in the pre-match press conferences the day before the game said there is even some people in France who, wants me- who want Messi to win this. Um, now, I'd like to know who those people are, but, but yeah, there may, there may well have been some. And so I, I must say, I think in terms of an entire competition being defined by one man and everyone's interest somehow being funneled into one man and, and the spotlight being so singularly on, on, on Messi. I thought we're in for this is the greatest story ever if he wins this. And, and as I say, almost no matter how he wins it. As it turns out, it was also a ridiculously good game. Uh, and I think the best World Cup final there has been. Um, I suppose you could argue... 
maybe 54. Um, you could maybe argue 1970, although it's... Or 50. Or 50. Well, yeah, 50 in terms of, this, in terms of the upset, maybe not in terms of the game, yeah. yes. Um, you could maybe argue 1970 in terms of the sense of, of, of a, a kind of a, an idealised version of perfection having been achieved by, by the Brazilian side against Italy. Um, yeah. 86 was pretty good, although in truth, Argentina was the better team and suddenly Germany were back in it, which I suppose was a bit like what France did with Argentina last night. Uh, and I, I think it was the most wild thing ever. Um, a colleague of mine who, uh, you know, rumour has it is a West Ham fan, did point out to me now that that's now two finals that Scaloni's been in that have finished 3-3 and gone to penalties. Only he lost the FA Cup final in 2006, I believe it was, and won the World Cup final. <laughs> West Ham legend uh, Lionel, Lionel Scaloni. Do you think West Ham are going to claim this World Cup the way they claimed 1966? They should, shouldn't they? I think it would be a stretch. They, they've got to give it a go, surely. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about him in, in just a moment. Um, you mentioned the fact that this World Cup was all built around Messi and this final was very much dominated by what would be his legacy should he win. The man standing in his way, it was, it was very much billed as Messi against Mbappe. It was mm. certainly on the front cover of the Spanish newspapers, the two of them, the two tens up against each other. And Mbappe scored a hat trick in this final and still managed to lose. Yeah, uh, it, it's just extraordinary. I mean, look, in terms of a contest, Messi against Mbappe, there was no contest for 80 minutes. Yeah. Uh, Messi was so much the better player. Um, and then Mbappe, boom, just sort of appeared. Uh, obviously, you know, he, he appears to start with by giving a penalty, but after that, there was this kind of superhuman nature to him. Uh, he scores a brilliant second, obviously, then he scores a third as well. But there's that one where he nearly wins it at the very end, running in on the yes. on the left side of the penalty, which was actually a little bit reminiscent of the goal that he scored against Real Madrid in the Champions League in Paris for PSG last season. You know, coming from that similar part of the pitch right in the last minute. And, and, and there was a period where it just felt like, wow, Argentina's players are kind of looking at this guy going, how the bloody hell are we supposed to stop him? And he was absolutely fantastic. Um, admittedly, as I say, it didn't really happen until the 80th minute. But from then on, he was, he was wonderful. I was looking at this because um, obviously I was on the on sidebar duty, which means it's not a match report as such. It's a piece about something thematic. I was asked to do a sidebar about Argentina, which basically means a sidebar against, about Messi, unless something really big happens. And by the way, I'll tell you this in a minute. There was a period of the game when I was moving to Anfield Di Maria. Di Maria. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, what I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about this idea of this, this, this World Cup, if you like, being a confirmation of Messi's greatness for those who needed it. And, and obviously not many people really should have needed it, but, but I think it certainly plays to that. And, and, you know, maybe you would say, well, they didn't have to play Brazil in the semi-finals, which is what we all wanted. And that would have been a huge game, which meant, of course, as well, that he didn't play against Neymar. Um, he didn't, of course, face Cristiano Ronaldo because Portugal went out sooner. And also, of course, Ronaldo by then was, was, was not a starter anyway. Um, but then you look back over it and he, it was set up as Messi against Lewandowski, the, player who, the other player who should have had a Ballon d'Or in recent years. And Messi was just so much better than Lewandowski, it wasn't true. Then, then you've got Messi against Modric. And actually, I thought Modric played really, really well in that in the first half. But ultimately, Messi wins out and wins out reasonably comfortably, to be perfectly honest. And then this one, it's Messi against Mbappe. And Messi's winning this all the way to the 80th minute. And then, and then so the way I kind of framed it was, you know, Messi, Messi saw off um, Modric and he saw off Lewandowski and he survived Mbappe. 
That was the difference. Which isn't to say he wasn't brilliant, by the way, because I thought Messi was brilliant as well. Um, but just what a game. What a final. And, and Mbappe, this is the absurd thing. It's a hat-trick. A second World Cup final at, what is he, 23. That's four goals in World Cup finals now. He is going to break all sorts of goal-scoring records. He is. Unless something funny happens, of course. You know, he could get injured and, and, and so on. But, but he, he's very, very likely He to. really is. He really is. Um, he, he doesn't play in La Liga, nor does... Nor does Lionel Messi anymore, and this is the the Spanish football podcast. But it's true. But I think everyone knows that they're somehow connected to La Liga. They are. Someone they, else who is, has a history with uh, with La Liga was a man you, you just mentioned, Angel Di Maria, who was uh, named in the starting eleven. Few people raising their eyebrows, suggesting that maybe he he shouldn't necessarily have been in that starting eleven. But Angel Di Maria is a big match player, and he's yeah he's demonstrated that throughout his career, and he was really really good in this final again. There were two things here. One was the fact that Di Maria started. The other was that he started on the left. Yeah. Um, because, you know, there's different options in terms of where you might want to put him. Um, and Scaloni talked after the game about the, what the plan there was, that you that you occupy Kunde and you occupy... Um, who was the right side of the two defenders? Was it Varane, I think? Um, and that you get Di Maria right out on the touchline and you, and you put them in a position where they're not sure whether to go to him and therefore open the space inside... Or to, to not go to him because you've occupied them inside and he then has the chance to run or to either get behind them or to come across at them. And it worked really, really well. And it's an indication, by the way, and I think this is something um, that's quite significant because we've talked quite a lot, I think, about about the idea of um, Scaloni as a, as a group manager, as someone who's created a, a bond within the team. But I think if you look at what he's done every round, there's been some tactical twerk. Mm. Uh, tw- is twerk the right word? Uh, tweak. Twist. Um, tweak is the word I'm looking for. Tweak or twist. And I went for twerk. I have not seen um, twerk. Scaloni twerking. But, you know. No, although given the celebrations yes. last night, he may well have done at some yes. point. Yeah. Um, and, and in all of them, there's been, been, been some sort of twist, and, and this was one of them. Um, and Angel Di Maria was brilliant for basically the whole, whole of the time that he was on. But then, of course, one of the reasons why I ended up not writing about him, or at least not including in, him in what I was writing, was because he went off. Yeah. And at that point, we thought he went off and his work was done. Was completely and then different. the game was only just starting. Yeah, it was literally just starting, exactly. Completely and it was basically an hour without him. The, the, you know, the really exciting hour of the game was without him. And, but anyway, the, one of the things that I was doing at that point was just kind of coming up with this idea of a, of a, of a focus being that the, the two remaining players from Brazil from 2014, Di Maria and Messi, were the ones who won this. So they were the ones who had the redemption, if you see what I mean, surrounded by a young team and these two left. Um, and Di Maria, I want to go to what you were saying. I think he has been a really brilliant player in key moments throughout his career. And I think has too often been overlooked. My personal opinion, and it is only a personal opinion, and people are more than welcome to take um, umbrage with it, is that he was the best player in the Real Madrid team for the Decima. He, in, not just in the final, but in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the kind of, if you like, the decisive moments of winning the, the, the 10th European Cup. He was the outstanding player playing in a position he hadn't really played before, which was in a middle three rather than a top three. Um, and, and he's just electric, isn't he? He makes things happen. He's, still. He's still, really excited. Yeah. So still, even, even with his age. And he's also an interesting case, I think, because he's one of the few Argentinian players during what they always refer to in Argentina as a process, the process of, of Scaloni. And this is a four-year cycle now, this process. And he's one of the few that, when he was left out, actually publicly kind of had a go. Mm. Uh, it's a, I think it's a couple of years ago now, and he came out... It must be a couple of years ago, because the numbers add up, which is never a good thing for me to try and do. But he came out and basically said, what, you think I'm finished at 32? 
Why are you saying there's no place for me in the national team? Of course there is. Of course I can still do it. And actually, it ended with a phone conversation between him and Scaloni, in which the two of them, or this is their version of events anyway, finished the conversation in tears, and Angel Di Maria finished the conversation coming back to the national team. And it all ended happy ever after. Wonderful. Absolutely. Uh, let's yeah. speak a bit about Scaloni. You wrote a really fantastic piece, even by your high standards, uh, uh, about him before this before this final when you spoke to a number of players and ex-players ex-coaches um, or current coaches people who knew him to get a real uh, in-depth uh, background to him you've obviously interviewed him yourself uh, as well mm. and, and, and met him it is a if this is a story Argentina winning the World Cup and it's all about Messi and it's a real fairy tale for, for Messi and a wonderful way to end his career it's a bit of a fairy tale for Scaloni as well the way that he's it, done it, this it absolutely is it's, it's, it's truly extraordinary what he's done um, and there was a a line before the final or was it before the semi I think it was before the final in which he said look I don't, I, I don't think I can be I think it was after the semi-final I don't think I can be compared to, to Bilardo or Minotti or Sabella the three who've most recently taken Argentina to World Cup finals and and I thought about it I thought in some ways what you've done is, is far more um, impressive than what they've done you take over a team at a time when no one wants to take the job um, you take over a team at a time when basically you've been given the job because they think you're cheap and because they don't need to sign you up on a, on a big contract or or indeed <laughs> Or indeed, you know, kind of pay you very much, or you know, or really do anything in terms of paperwork. Just, can you do this? Yeah, okay then. Um, and you're there with a not a huge amount of people trusting in you. And there's that incredible remark from Diego Maradona saying, "This guy can't even direct traffic, let alone a football team." And and there's this idea that he's not very good. But what he did with the way that he managed it was, I think, create a degree degree of goodwill. So a two-game interim period became another two and then another two. And then suddenly it's like, well, what do we do now? Well, there's not really time to look for anyone else. So we'll let him have it full time. With no expectation whatsoever that it would go like this. They lost a Copper America in 2019. But the way that they played and, and actually the way that they felt they were ripped off, I think, created a, a quite handy external enemy and, and kind of continued along that line of creating a group harmony, creating the idea that these were a bunch of players that the, that the people could identify with. And that really helped. And then, of course, they won a Copa America and now they've won the World Cup. And it is just extraordinary. He's 44. He had literally no experience whatsoever. He'd never coached anyone uh, except to the kids team in Mallorca. He had been part of the background staff for San Paoli at Sevilla, and with the Spanish, sorry, with the Spanish, with the Argentinian national team in the last World Cup, which was a failure, and 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 yet here he is. I don't think it's that difficult to argue if we're taking it in terms of achievement that this is the best Argentinian coach, Argentina coach of all time of the national team. West Ham legend Lionel Scaloni. Um, he's, he's he's done an incredible, incredible job. Argentina are world champions and Sid you were there to witness it it was your first World Cup it was yeah as a World Cup final rather as a, as, as a journalist allow us to get a little bit self-indulgent dear listeners but, but what was it what was that like Sid from a personal perspective uh, I, I think like a lot of these kind of events I, I mean it's my first at all um, I've, I've not been there as a fan either and, and you know I, I speak to you as someone who, who's over my lifetime gone to a lot of tournaments a lot of World Cups um, but usually obviously you're buying tickets for the opening rounds rather than for later on um, I suppose the, the first thing is to say like a lot of these kind of things is just that sort of sense of wow I'm here and that sense that somehow you're very lucky uh, that sense that you sort of, there's a slight cockiness <laughs> hey, I've yeah. got to see this kind of historic moment 
Um, obviously, from a writing point of view, it was a little bit stressful. Um, although, actually, what, did the, you, what, did, what message did you send me? <laughs> Would it just went text? I don't think I can take this. I don't know if I can take this. Yeah, yeah. I genuinely don't think I can take this. It was yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, admittedly, actually, it wasn't quite as bad as it might be because the, the time difference with Qatar being three hours ahead of London yes. and, and two ahead of Spain has actually helped because it's meant the deadlines have not been quite as tight as yes. they would normally yes. be. Um, but it was it was an extraordinary experience. The the games involving Argentina have been brilliant because the fans make a lot of noise. It is true that this is still a World Cup that lacks some of the things that other World Cups have, um, including actually just the numbers of people. So so in Doha there is a kind of a meeting point, which is the the, the souk, the old sort of marketplace. Although it's it's kind of a made to look old rather than actually years old. I think it got destroyed. Um, I'm not sure how long ago now. Someone did tell me the other day. Um, but that's created a nice sort of meeting place. But it's not had... But beyond that, it doesn't feel like there's a huge sense of the whole world being here um, beyond the games themselves. And actually, the Metro, funnily enough, the Metro is kind of the focal point of it. Um, but it was, yeah, it was extraordinary to be there. I, I, I do think that they, at this World Cup, um, which hasn't always been the same in others and hasn't been the same at the Euros that I've been to, they have really overdone and I don't think this is necessarily about Qatar I think this is about I'm going to sound like such an old man now this is like modern football really overdo the idea that you have that you know the stadium has to create the atmosphere that the music runs right up to kickoff and turns on again immediately the game finishes let the fans make the atmosphere why do we feel the need to have a DJ and two grinning morons at half time telling us how great the game's been, even if it actually hasn't been. Um, but you know, it's 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 an absolutely spectacular occasion to be part of. Of course, yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm, you know, I'm not as old as you. <laughs> I'm a bit yeah. younger than you, and it's not. I don't think it's about age. I don't think it's about age. I just think it, I just think it's it, unnecessary. It, it takes the. It's it seems like they they, they don't trust the fans yeah. to have agency so they, they try and force yeah. it upon them which actually what it does is it removes that agency from them so the World Cup is over and you are officially coming home uh, yeah yeah I'm, I've, I've packed up I've, I've got a, I've really struggled to get everything in the bag in fact I'm leaving a pair of shoes behind admittedly it was a pair of shoes that I was always planning to leave behind I, 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 I bought a very very battered pair and I thought well they're sufficiently battered now that it doesn't matter if I leave them behind so, well have you bought a lot of stuff there uh, well I might have bought a few mugs <laughs> <laughs> You're bringing a suitcase back fully, not extra luggage. I've got a little bit more luggage than I came with, yeah. Wow, incredible. Um, but as the World Cup has, has, has ended, and this was one of the most uh, uh, problematic World Cups for us to cover on an ideological level, uh, shall we say, um, what's your overall feeling of having been in Qatar for the entire tournament, having seen it, having covered it professionally, having lived the experience that they wanted you mm. to live. Um, what, what, what do you leave Qatar feeling? Um, it's, it, Apart from time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's obviously, look, one of the things that we said we knew would happen did happen, which is that the football takes over. Um, and, yeah. and I'm also in a, in a slightly curious position from this point of view. And, and actually, this is one of the things that I've said to people on Twitter who've uh, attacked me from both sides, uh, some for not caring enough about the, the various issues and others for clearly banging on about the various issues. Yeah. Um, and I would argue that probably neither of those things are true. But, but in a way, I've been in a position which is, uh, put bluntly, or, or put 
bluntly on, uh, un- unusually honestly, I've been put in a position where I've actually been sort of allowed, if you like, to take the coward's route out in the sense that I have a newspaper that covers those things and I'm not the one that does it. So mm. I have sort of, if you like, written lots and lots and lots of football stuff and focused a lot on the football stuff while allowing myself to, to kind of feel like, but it's not being, it's, it doesn't mean the rest of the stuff is left aside. It's just that there are other people doing it within the same media, right? Because obviously, you know, there are, there are a lot of us at The Guardian. Um, in terms of the experience, my experience of a World Cup is, is probably never the greatest gauge for people because, of course, you're working and, you're, you, you know, you see your flat and your media centre and your metro and your stadiums and that's kind of it. Um, you don't get a sense of it. But as I mentioned earlier, the, the, there has been a good atmosphere around the games, but for the most part, particularly the ones that Argentina and Morocco have played in, um, there is a kind of a meeting point in the souk in the centre of the city, but this doesn't feel like a place where it's an amazing World Cup. And, and, I, and I've, I've found it slightly curious seeing how many people um, in, in a kind of, what do you call rave indicación in, in English, a kind of a making a point sort of way, uh, you know, kind of, you know, this, this justificatory way, I suppose, is a good way of putting it. Um, so I said, look at the atmosphere. It's been amazing. All these people meeting and all the rest of it. I think, and I must confess, there's a bit of me that thinks, but that happens wherever the World Cup is. That's not necessarily a success of Qatar. In fact, I would say that there are fewer people than there would be because it's in Qatar rather than, say, for even for argument's sake, another place with, with problematic uh, record on numerous things, for example, Saudi Arabia, which is a bigger place with a bigger population and so on. Um... I think I must admit with the idea and we mentioned this the other day of a compact World Cup I quite like it in a city but you know this isn't the city I would choose for it although this is a city that runs very very efficiently um, but you know imagine a compact World Cup in Buenos Aires or in London or in Rome or, or I don't know or in Los Angeles then, then you know it would be I think it would be significantly more exciting mm-hmm. I, I think it was organisationally a pretty good World Cup I don't think it was a great World Cup in terms of atmosphere it was good but as I say, you, you, World Cups are. So, you know, in that sense, I, I think it was less good than, than, than others have been. It wasn't the best World Cup ever, as Infantino proclaimed. No, and, and the other thing is, I, I suppose the question there is really what you are, which part of it you are judging. Because I think in terms of the, the football and the excitement of the games, it could well have been the best World Cup ever. Um, but I'm a little bit reluctant to allow Infantino to, who, by the way, has been the most present president I've ever seen he's on the telly all the time and the cameras are focusing on all the time there's a there's a real kind of presidential complex thing going on there mm. which I find a, a, a little bit difficult to swallow to be honest mm. um and, and you know it's not to say that everything he said has been wrong I think he's made a couple of interesting points a few times and and, and you know I don't necessarily disagree with everything he says but but his his kind of mannerisms and ways of expressing himself have been slightly odd at times and as I say he's been much more present but anyway the point I was going to make is that if you talk about the best World Cup of all time let's say if we look at this from a football point of view and say yes it is I say well that's nothing to do with FIFA that's because the teams are good yeah, it's not because it's in Qatar. It's not because FIFA have done anything. In fact, the, the FIFA's answer was to ruin the group stage, which has been really good this time. Although, to be fair, they have said they're going to re- revisit that and maybe not do so. Um, the one thing I suppose that FIFA could claim, and probably will claim because it suits them to do so. In fact, I've got a feeling that Infantino may have mentioned it in his closing speech the other day, is that by having it in the winter, maybe the players were in better condition. Hmm. I'm not 100% sure that I buy that. I would like to see the statistics. I would like to know if that's really true. I also am not entirely sure that actually having really fit players is 
the best way of having great games because great games are quite often at their best when it's, everyone's knackered and the pitch is you know the pitch is wide open. Yeah, potentially. Although I think what we've seen is such a high level of football that mm. the, what it's been really and it really has been good. Yeah. Yes, from yeah. that point of view, it really has been uh, good. Yeah. One of our patrons, by the way, and I cannot remember uh, who it was, and uh, forgive me because we don't have production notes from producer Al for this one. Um, but one of our patrons suggested that the the, the lack of travelling for players within the World Cup might also have been a that, that's a good shout yeah. yep that, that could well that could well play a part yeah, yeah. Um, that, that would make sense because you know we're talking about essentially we're talking about a World Cup in a city now there's a couple of stadiums outside of Doha but when we're saying outside we're talking 45 minutes away not, we're not talking you know everyone, everyone has moaned uh, amongst the journalists about Al Bayt um, which is probably the furthest away stadium and it is true that if you do a game there at, at 10 o'clock at night like the other day it happened to me I got back to the flat at quarter past four in the morning and, and that's been quite a regular occurrence since World Cup but everyone moans about it and it's 45 minutes away or 50 um, so, so you know that, that, and that's as far, as far away as, you, if you, as you're ever forced to get OK uh, the World Cup is over but the football is not in fact it's returning very very soon Sydney and the Segunda División hasn't stopped at all and we had the magnificent sight of the mighty Ray Loviedo winning the Asturias derby 1-0 against Sporting Gijón on Saturday evening. So, um, uh, fantastic. I couldn't scenes. possibly admit publicly that I was watching a dodgy stream of that, could I? <laughs> well, you were. Because I, de- I definitely wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> you absolutely were. But yeah, a great win for uh, for the mighty Ray Loviedo. And, you know, if you want to just carry on from the high of the, the World Cup final and that sort of raw... Uh, visceral emotion and passion. You've got Leganes against Zaragoza tonight, uh, so that should that should be. What, good. what time's kickoff? I'm just wondering if I could get back in time for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be the funniest thing ever? Just to walk walk into the airport arrival lounge and say, right, quick to Botarque. Please do that. Please do that. Oh my goodness. Uh, we've also got Copa del Rey this week as well, which is uh, which is pretty wild. Yeah, midweek, isn't it? It's midweek. Yeah. It starts tomorrow. There are a whole host of uh, matches on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday and then obviously La Liga restarts on the 29th of December the first game being Girona against Rayo Vallecano then you've got Betis Athletic Club Atletico Madrid Elche uh, and uh, a whole host of other fixtures uh, as well we're not going to go through them but it's all going to start again soon Sydney very very soon so what you have to do you absolutely have to do you have to go to the UK now come back here to Madrid go to the UK have a few days off don't watch any football and then come back and watch all the football. <laughs> you reckon you can do that? I, I think the most difficult part of doing that will probably be the bit about not watching any football in the UK. Um, because obviously if I'm back in yes. London for a few days, there's a, there's a, there's a chance there's a half-decent game going on somewhere. And I'm sure there's a, there's a small boy who would love to, uh, love to watch exactly. some football. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. With, his, with his dad. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, you, you, you go and watch some football. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. Listeners, thank you very much for uh, sticking with us uh, throughout the World Cup. We've tried to cover it as best we could. We know it's been problematic. We know there have been issues there. We have focused a bit on the football. We've enjoyed the football while at the same time not forgetting at what cost this has all come Uh, thanks very much for listening and uh, we'll be back later uh, in the week over at patreon.com forward slash tsfp the spanish football fun never stops there q a podcast tomorrow bonus podcast later in the week and uh, lots of other bonus content so come and join us it's four euros a month and uh, it's also the ideal christmas gift for the spanish football lover uh, in your life so maybe maybe think about that it's very easy you can do an annual membership as well and get 10 percent off so uh, why not consider that patreon.com forward slash tsfp sydney go and catch your flight and go and get some sleep adios cheerio 